You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Thank you, Josh. Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing? All right. All right. You know, this is a kind of a thing that uh, when Ryan has a chance to listen to this message, uh, you know, I just want him to know, uh, first of all, he gives me Memorial Day weekend. Okay. Thank you, Ryan, for that. Then he gives me a topic on purity, you know, thank you, and he's out of town, so if there's anything, you know, that doesn't go right, you know, he's, he's gone. And, and, and by the way, this topic is, is uh, going to be very interesting as we unpack it. And uh, in the first service, uh, you know, as I look around, you notice that most people are kind of looking down, that didn't have any eye contact, and, and uh, you know, should I applaud, should I laugh, is it okay to laugh, and all those kind of things. So let me just tell you. It's okay, okay? It's okay. We're going to have a lot of fun with this thing. So I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited especially of this, of this series, this idea of transformational thinking. It, it, it's huge because basically it's a culture, and you know this. Intuitively, you already know this, that, that we've lost our moral compass, that thing of what's right, what's wrong, what kind of decisions can we make? And because of that, because you're in this culture your kids and you and your grandkids and so on are being influenced. And so transformational thinking, I think, is about as appropriate as any kind of message we can possibly begin and look at. So I have the privilege of, of dealing with an issue of purity, but it's really born out of the Apostle Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4. And if you would, you know, read along with me in your device, in your Bible, or up on the screen, and let me read this for us. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellence, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And it goes on. It says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, don't you love this next word? Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. My focus today has to do with purity. What is pure? And believe me, we're going to you know, look at this in a whole lot of different ways. But as I was getting ready for this, I couldn't help but think of myself. My kids uh, are all grown now. And because some of you know some of my kids, I won't even mention uh, which one. They're all grown, have their own family. But when they were younger, I have one in particular. I was getting ready to preach at a church, and back in those days, you know, a tie, and you know, you had your best Sunday best on, and all that kind of thing. And I was holding on to my son, and back when they were really small, I could kind of hold them. You know, parents, you ever done this? You know, you kind of hold them so they're facing out. You know, you got your hand on their leg and looking out like this and stuff. And I'm just about ready to get in the car and leave, and all that kind of thing. And as I do that, my son has explosive diarrhea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was worse than that. It was, it was, inc- I, I, I don't know how that much material comes out of explosively. I mean, it was literally like I was at ground zero and the bomb had gone off. And so, you know, my tie and my shirt, you know, and my pants and so on. And so I'm running late as it is. So, you know, I naturally give my son to my wife here, deal with this, you know. And then I go and I take a, uh, you know, get cleaned up, new shirt, you know, new pants and all that kind of stuff. And so I think I'm really doing good. I am pure. I am, I, I have made it. And I walk into church and I did not 
think about the fact that I needed to change my shoes. Oh yeah. Both shoes were pretty much covered. And it was odiferous. In other words, it stunk. But I apparently had a cold, so I did not smell that. But as I walked into church, people just like a magnet, the opposite, moved away from me and stuff. And when I realized what was going on, I didn't tell this in the first service, I actually preached with my shoes off. It was the coolest thing. Back in those days, I thought it was kind of a hippie you know, kind of deal. So it was great. you know. But all of that you know, reminded me, and it set me on a course for purity. And so even now today, after I'm done shaking hands with you, I live for Purell. You know, the bottle is right over there. Don't get in my way. You know, it's a, you know, I have to kind of clean off all the fellowship on my hands and stuff, you know. Purity. Let me give you a def, a definition of purity, okay? And this is really going to be, and by the way, I'm going to be pointed, okay? So, so just love me through this thing. This is, I just... Just do. Okay, that's all I'm gonna. I'm, all I'm gonna say. Let me give you a definition of purity. This is right out of Webster's: freedom from adulteration or freedom from contamination. <laughs> Hence the diarrhea. Freedom from immorality. And listen to this: especially of a sexual nature. That's the word impurity. And as a matter of fact, if you would look at this in the in the or purity, if you would look at this in terms of context you would find that this word uh, you know, for purity has this idea of ceremonially, physically, personally, in every dimension, you're pure. Now, there are a lot of ways that I could unpack this topic of purity as it relates to transformational thinking. But I'm going to focus on our sexuality, okay? So just go with me. Because the definition of purity goes on and says, especially, especially of a sexual nature. I believe this is one of the most important issues that we could all discuss, but it's also an issue that has more resistance than just about anything else. Now, just to tell you, you know, ahead of time, I look all over the place, okay? So if I'm talking about something sensitive and I'm looking over in one direction, I don't know you. I'm not looking at you, okay? I just tell you up front, okay? That, that's just the way it is. So this is a huge, huge topic, we find all the resistance, but I am convinced that if we got this right as a culture, I'm convinced that we would eliminate a great deal of poverty. Really, I think it's related. I believe that we could really transform the inner city. I believe fewer and fewer people would be in prison if we could get this teaching right. And ultimately, I believe thousands and thousands of little boys and little girls might get tucked in at night by a mom and dad. So this is a big topic, and I'm very passionate about it. I worked on a college campus for seven and a half years over in California. I'm telling you, this is a huge topic there, but it's a huge topic here as well. Now, I recognize that for all of us in this room, bad things happen. I mean, terrible things happen. Maybe you faced a bankruptcy. You, know, you lost your job. You're, some, something happened. And it was really, really tough in your life. But ordinarily, you can recover from that. You can recover and then you look back on it several years ago and say, oh man, we went through this time, lost a job and stuff, but look at this, God is good and, and, and we're doing okay. But in the area of sexual immorality, when we blow it in that area, it's very difficult for you to look back 
and laugh about it. Ah, it was just one of those blips that I ha happened to happen. No, no, no. When we blow it in this area, it has ramifications and ripples in our life that touches everything. It's ordinarily generational as well. Because here's the thing. When we as a people cross certain lines of physical intimacy, there are just things that we end up carrying with us for the rest of our lives. And we don't talk about it. Because we live in a culture that says sex is purely physical. So today, I want to be very, very specific. And some of you are going to be thinking, I am way, way, way too restrictive. You, you just will. But we're going to look at just one little teeny tiny verse. And it's dealing with how do we think about purity? And how do we think about impurity? And the verse is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you've got your device, you've got your, your Bible with you, I, I'd like you to turn. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is writing, the same one who wrote Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, which is the passage we've been looking at and dealing with and so on. And verse 16 I'm going to just start with the first three words, this is our first four words, and it simply says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee, run, hightail it, dash, book it. Uh, the Greek word literally means get out of here. That word flee means to run with all you can do. And isn't it interesting that the word, it does not say watch out for sexual immorality. No, 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 that's not there. It, it doesn't say, be careful. Not there. It's not, hey, get as close to the edge as you can. Uh -uh. The word is dash, flee, run, get out of here. That's Paul's admonition for all of us. It says run, run, run. And I, frankly, could anything be more clear than run? And I want to just say something right up front. Sometimes we come to listen to a, a message, a sermon, okay? And when we come, we are in what I call information mode. Okay, I didn't know that before. That's new information for me. Wow, that's been unpacked and that's beautiful, okay? This is not information mode today. Most of you will say, shake your head and say, okay, yeah, I agree. Yep, yep, know that, know that, know that. But we today are in decision mode. Because I believe at the end of this, all of us internally need to make some decisions ourselves. Maybe ones that you've already made many, many times. But I want to encourage you to do this. Because this is what I know about you. I know that if you're married, when we talk about flee sexual immorality, I know that if you're married, you want this for your husband. If you're married, you want this for your wife. If you have kids, you want this for your kids. Flee sexual immorality. I want that for my kids. If you have a little brother, you have a little sister, you want that for them. In fact, you want this from, for anybody that you care about. It's just maybe you. Maybe I don't know if I can apply it to me, even though you want it for everybody else. I mean, you're saying, I'm glad my husband's hearing this. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give the transcript to my cousin because he needs to hear this. You know how many times we come to church and we sit here listening for someone else? <laughs> Boy, did, did, did my wife need to hear that. Have you ever done that? We all have. I have. 
And so I preach it at home all the time. No, never mind. I don't, I don't do that. So we, we say this to people that we love. Flee sexual immorality. But when it comes to us, ready? We don't flee. We flirt. We flirt with it. Every place that you turn in our culture, every place, we are being baited to flirt with something we know that if we lean into, it's going to cause major, major issues. Intuitively, we already know that. In our culture, we, we, we understand that. We understand that a, that a certain age little girl ought not to be pregnant. We, we get that. And I don't care if you're a church person or you're a non-church person. It doesn't make any difference. We know that intuitively. And so everybody is against teenage pregnancy. But have you ever wondered and thought about how we market to young teenage girls? I mean, think about how we market. Think about what is on TV. Think about walking in the mall. Do you know that years ago, how we market girls to dress? That girl would be marked as a hooker years ago. So we end up kind of getting baited, 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 baited. And then when somebody caves in, we all say, oh, that's disgusting. I just want to be honest with us all here, and we understand the culture we're in, why this issue of purity is so tantamount to who we are. I didn't even talk about this first, because I can go longer in the second service, okay? Do you know one of my favorite passages... I didn't even talk about this. One of my favorite passages has to do with David, and, 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 and David has this you know, horrendous sin issue you know, with Bathsheba, you know, and, and she gets pregnant, and, and you know, he goes out and kills his, her, her husband. You know, terrible kind of thing. And then Nathan the prophet tells him a story, you know, and, and, and David gets all, boy, we're going to get that guy. And then Nathan points his pointy finger at him and says, you're the guy, you're the dude. But what we often don't remember in that exchange between Nathan the prophet and David is then he says this, ready? You have given great occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme. My actions, if they're sinful, give all those who are on the outside of our community and they look between the picket fence into our lives and they say, Bob, this guy's supposed to really be doing it right. And if he can do that, I guess it's okay. Or if he does that, why should I even be part of that community? Because it's no different than every place else. And Nathan understood that. David, because of what you did, you've given great occasion to all those who don't know God to say to you. So how we live is huge. It's huge. And our culture is beginning in some ways. I think the Me Too movement probably was born out of this conversation somewhat. So I, I, I understand. And there's inappropriate sexual activity out there, especially as it relates to the Internet, as it relates to pornography. 58% of pastors are addicted to pornography. That's not my figures. That's George Barna's figures. That ought to give all of us pause. 
this is a big deal. And you can tell I'm passionate about it. So here's this whole situation. Somebody finally falls into it, and then we're all disgusted. What's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? Now, I want us to be really honest with ourselves. And if we're honest, all of us, even the pastor, all of us entertain ourselves with affairs. Did you know that? We do. Every show you watch, every movie you watch, basically we're entertaining ourselves with affairs. And then when somebody actually has one, we just can't believe it. That's so awful. There's something that every single day, every single show, every single movie, every single novel, we entertain ourselves with affairs. You know what I'm talking about. When was the last time that you went to a movie and you saw a romantic scene between a married couple? It's just not there. The last one I can remember is Rocky. Adrian! (laughs) That was just creepy, but you know, at least they were married, right? It's just not out there. The point is not to boycott, you know, and quit going to the mall, stop watching movies, all that kind of, that's your business, okay? But we all need to know that our culture is not going to get any better. And therefore, we need to decide, 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 decide in our thinking and in our actions to run from sexual immorality to purity. And if you're a Christian, there's even greater incentive for you and I. Because let me go on. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, All other sins that a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Let's break it down. All. All other sins. All other sins. Hold it right there. All other sins. Paul is saying, look, look, look. I know there are all kinds of different sins. But when it comes to sexual sin and immorality and impurity, they are in a category all by themselves. Think about how exclusive this is. All other sins. When it comes to sexual sin, it's a category all of its own. Not because God gets bent out of shape when we blow it. No. It's because of the way it impacts us. It's not that God is going ballistic, you know, over sexual sin versus other kind of sin and so on. That's not the point. The reason it's in the category all by itself is not God's response. It's our response. It's the way you react because sexual sin takes a toll on a human being greater than just about any other thing. And it's hard to recover. It goes on, 1 Corinthians 6, now verse 19. Do you not know, which actually means, Paul thought maybe they didn't know this, okay? And he says, your bodies are temples. How many of you, this Memorial Day weekend, knew that? You know, we got up this morning, we looked in the mirror, baby, my temple, and my temple is growing. 
Your temple is growing too, probably. You know, it's, that's, that's the temple. That's what we're actually talking about. We are a growing temple. And throughout the New Testament, and even implied in the Old Testament, is that your body, my body, God says your body is a temple. And that means it is holy. And the word holy is the word hagios, means set apart, different. It says your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you. So if you're a Christian, not even if you are a Christian, your body is still sacred. But as a Christian, we believe that, you know, this, this is huge. We believe that our bodies are sacred, and then when a person becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, <coughs> pardon me, somehow God's spirit comes to live, to reside inside. Which means our bodies are temples. 19 goes on and says, whom you have received from God. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. Your body is very, very, very special. And then listen to the implications as it goes on. You are not your own. In other words, you don't belong to you. Isn't that cool? Your body doesn't just belong to you because God moved into your body. So the scriptures are full of reminding us that we're kind of like clay vessels. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this. We're clay vessels. Nothing really great about the vessel, but the vessel contains the Spirit of God. It's a beautiful picture of who we are. And then he goes on and he says, you were bought at a price. And what he's talking about is, if you read the whole passage, is that when Christ came into the world, he died for your sins. He purchased you. You've been purchased from sin. You no longer are a slave to sin. I love the, 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 the song, Slave No More. You don't have to do what all your desires up here are telling you to do. You don't have to do what all your appetites are telling you to do. You, in some respects, are master of your body because your body is now under the authority of another master. So consequently, he says, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. And then here's the kicker, verse 20. Therefore, honor God with your bod. Would you say that with me? Honor God with your bod. Ready? Here we go. Honor God. God with your bod. Maybe you'll remember that. Maybe I'll remember it. Honor God with your bod. The context of this whole discussion is sexual. The whole thing. Flee sexual immorality. Don't you know that your body is the temple where the Holy Spirit dwells? He resides inside of you. You're not your own. You've been purchased at the price of, of our Savior dying on the cross for us. So what am I supposed to do? He basically says, here is the litmus test. Here it is. Honor God with your bod. Honor God with your bod. Listen, if it's dishonoring to God, don't do it with your bod. If it's dishonoring to God, don't take your body there. If it's dishonoring to God, don't look at it. If it's dishonoring to God, don't think about it. And that's something that we need to do and decide every morning. Write on your notes that word decide. Decide, decide, decide. I said this is not information mode, this is decision mode. God, my body belongs to you. It's a temple. I want to live this life. I want to live this in such a way that everything that I do in my body honors you. And God says, you ready? If that's the case, if you really mean that, 
then run, 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 run from sexual immorality. I mean, that's what he's saying. And I believe that what you need to do to really get successful with this is to have a plan. When your kids, you know, if you have kids, one of the things you want to do, many of you have already done this, but you will be doing this. I have four kids, got 14 grandkids. My four kids, as they were growing up, Janet and I used to just drill into them a phrase. Don't take candy from a stranger. Don't get into the car with a Stranger, stranger danger, there you go. You know, all these kind of things. And we do it over and over again. Listen, I was so, you know, anal retentive about this whole thing that from time to time we would act it out. You know, I'd drive up in the minivan, you know, hey, little kid, do you want to have some candy? <laughs> I'm serious. We, we, we acted it all out. Why? Because we did it over and over and over again so that they would have muscle memory or thinking memory so that if that ever happened, they didn't have to think about it anymore. They knew exactly what to do because they had pre-decided to do it. Isn't that what this is about? Every day as you get up, pre-decide you're going to do this. So as I just simply share a little bit of what my parameters were, something we instituted in another church that I had planted and so on, and all of our staff, we kind of embraced that. But before I do that, before we think about that, I want to share two things with you. Number one, and it's going back to something I said at the very beginning. What do you want for the person you marry? What do you want for your children? What do you want for your grandchildren? You want them to flee sexual immorality. That's what you want for them. But if there's hypocrisy in your answer, you need to look in the mirror and ask yourself why. Why is it I want my husband and my wife to take this seriously, but I don't want to take it seriously myself? You owe yourself an answer to that question. That's number one. Number two, as we go through this list in just a moment here, okay, at the end of the message, you're going to say, nobody's going to do that. I'm not going to do it, and nobody in this room is going to do what I'm going to suggest. And then you just live your life however you want to live your life. And then let's say in two or three years, you find yourself on the edge, on the edge of some sexual disaster in your life. You have an addiction with pornography. What became as a, you know, started as a pastime is now an addiction. Or there's an unwanted pregnancy. Or all of a sudden there's this inappropriate touching and somebody at the office and, and you think your husband or you think your wife is going to find out about it. Or all of a sudden you're in the midst of some kind of drama and trauma and you say, oh no, I cannot believe this. I, uh, what happened? Here's my question. If in two or three years you found yourself dealing with the consequences of your actions, here's my question. Do you think you'll pray? Do you think at some point you'll say, oh my God, please, don't let me be pregnant? I mean, would you, know, would you throw up a prayer like that? 
Oh God, please don't let her be pregnant. Do you think you throw up a prayer like that? Or, oh God, don't let her find out. Or I pray that they can't see the text messages or, or so on. And, and God, if you just take care of that, I'll come to church at 9 o'clock and 10.30. And I'll give a whole lot of money. And I'll go to a small group. I'll do anything. And you begin this wheeling and dealing with God. And all of a sudden, you're asking for a miracle. Oh God, made the global internet break down forever. Oh God, may my text messages forever be raced. And all of a sudden, you're praying for Facebook to collapse and Twitter to collapse. And you're asking the whole world to turn upside down just so you won't get caught. And so in the midst of that drama, here's my question. Do you think you would pray like that? And let me answer it for you. Yes, you will. I'm just answering it. Yes, you will. You will pray that prayer. And I believe that God will bring to mind a bald-headed guy on a Memorial Day weekend. And I think that will come to your mind and you'll say, I wish that I wish that I wish that I had leaned into what he was saying. Now, I don't think God will actually say that, but you get the idea. So here in these last four minutes, I'm going to simply give you, this, is, this was the parameters that we had in, in the last church that I was a part of. And we live by these. These are mine. They may not be yours. But I want to help you with 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, to give it some context for you. So if you're married, here's the first one. Don't travel alone with members of the opposite sex. Just don't do it. Don't get in a car. Don't, don't fly with them. Just decide. Just say to yourself, I'm not going to do this. And, and it seems silly, but it probably ought to be standard operating procedure for anyone. Do you know that who the number one person for the last 20 years, the last two decades, number one person that the culture of America considered the highest of integrity of all other people. Do you know who it was? You knew. You do know. He's passed away now. His first name is Billy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Billy Graham. It, that's, he was number one. Why? He did crazy things. Like he made a commitment he would never go into an elevator by himself with a person of the opposite sex. Ever. Pretty restrictive, huh? But to this day, he is looked at as the man with the most integrity. That's Billy Graham. Here's the second one. Don't eat alone with members of the opposite sex. Every affair that I've ever been involved with as it relates to talking to people and helping them navigate and so on, either both of them or one said or the other one said, it all began with a meal. It all began, you know, hey, do you want to have dinner? Hey, let's have coffee that becomes lunch, that becomes dinner, and one thing. Listen, if you're watching this in a bad movie, you know where it's going. <laughs> you do. You see them together. They're at Starbucks, and, and they're having coffee, and all of a sudden, one reaches out, and the other just simply pats their hand. Innocent. But one thing leads to another, leads to another. Let me give you a third one. Don't confide in or counsel members of the opposite sex. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Because this is how it goes. Oh, oh, he understands me. 
my husband doesn't understand me like you understand me. He really gets me. Or she understands what I have to deal with at home. And good grief, this is a bad movie. I mean, and it is. It's dangerous to get your emotional worlds intertwined. And it's interesting because all of us basically know that what everybody wants is intimacy. Intimacy. Not necessarily sex. I'm looking at some guys saying, no, 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 it's pretty much sex. <laughs> no, no, intimacy, this idea that he gets me, she gets me. That's what it's about. Here's four. This is huge, married people. When you feel your heart or desire drifting toward a specific person, for goodness sakes, tell somebody. And I would say, don't necessarily tell your spouse yet, but if you find yourself drifting that way, be accountable with someone with strong, strong biblical values that will be able to help you navigate and remove those kinds of things from your life. There needs to be someone who is safe. Okay, in the last 26 seconds, single people. Number one, gouge your eyes out. Isn't that it? Oh, okay. Okay. Gouge your eye. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. You know, take these things that we already talked about for married people and apply them, uh, obviously. But number two, are you ready? No sleepovers. Like, come on. Let, we're adults here, aren't we? And I'll tell you what, we're going against the mainstream. So I'm not talking. I don't even know all of you. I'm just throwing this out. I'm just telling you, this was our standard. You know, it was this idea, oh, we went to the concert together and it was just so late and everything and he's going to sleep on the couch and it's all good and all that. I'm just saying, no sleepovers. Make a decision. Yeah, but it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I know. Make a decision. And by the way, if whether or not you do or you don't do a sleepover, if that becomes a deal breaker, then really, where's the relationship found it anyway, right? The last one I would say, and this one's enormous, this is, you know, just gigantic, it's huge. And for you as a single person, if dating for you has become equivalent to sex, that is the flag, that's the red flag that simply says, I gotta, I gotta get out of this and I have to just get my head straight. Make a decision until you get great understanding in that area, choose not to date for a while. Choose not to date for a while. Just do. It's a decision. Give God an opportunity to reset your heart. Now, are those extreme? Yeah, they are. But really, I think they're just common sense. Because five years from now, if you follow these things, you're not going to come back to me and say, oh, doggone it, I wish I had more sleepovers this last five years. You won't do that. I, I wish there were more people that I could avoid at Safeway because I don't want to run into them because I'm embarrassed. 
don't you know that in some strange, mystical way, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? And that being the case, I want to honor you, God, with my body. I want to honor you in my relationships. Because God is the creator and the giver of physical intimacy. Amen? Would you pray with me right now? Well, God, this was a kind of a tough message in many ways because it's so revealing to every one of us. I know where my mind goes, Lord. We all do. But God, just this reminder of honoring you with our bod. Honor God with our bod. And to only take my body places that would honor you. Lord, help us to be that kind of person. Help us to be the kind of person that can impact people and not spread influence in the wrong direction. Oh God, we love you. We love you so much. And we just ask that you would do this. Keep us strong. May we live a life that is a life of purity for Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody says, Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.